Hello and welcome to the Inner Work Conversation. I am Nikki Cross from the future. I'm recording this about 170 episodes in. We're currently in June 2023 and I just thought I'd record an introduction to my earlier episodes for the simple reason my sister was at breakfast the other day in a cafe and she overheard a lady saying to her friend, I have just found the inner work conversation. It's really, really useful. I'm going to go right the way to the beginning and work my way through the episodes. And it immediately made me want to try and contact this lady who I have no idea who she is and be like, no, don't do that. Because this this podcast, it's been going for a few years. And during that time, I have grown. I have changed. I have evolved. I have grown more confident in my abilities and in my competence, not just in my podcasting abilities, but also in what I do with my clients. I've become much more sure about who I best work with, who I best serve, and how we can best have conversations around the topics that are meaningful to the people who I work with. And so it makes me want to go, oh God, no, listen to the more recent episodes. That's where you're going to get your best value. That's where you're going to get your best insights. And it also, to be honest, makes me go, oh, in those older episodes, I sound different. I sound different because I was trying really hard. I was trying really hard to be liked and accepted. I was trying really hard to find my place in this in this space. And I think it comes through. I think that you can hear that. And I'll be honest, there's some old, old episodes that I've gone back and I've thought, oh, that, that's made me cringe or I actually disagree with myself. And so it leaves me with the question, why wouldn't I take the old episodes down? And my simple answer is this. As we all navigate life and business, we all evolve and we all grow. And there is always going to be an older version of us that we wish we'd have said things differently or we wish we'd have done things differently. Like for example, at the beginning of my business, I wish that I'd have been much more confident in who I worked with and how I can serve them and really back in my own, you know, opinions around certain things. But I can't go back. None of us can. None of us can go back to a previous version of ourselves and rewrite time. And so I'm leaving all of my older episodes in for one reason only. And that is because I want you to take these older episodes and take them for what they are, a demonstration of someone growing and evolving and learning in public. And I I say all of this and I introduce this episode with the hope that that not only inspires you, but also helps you to give yourself permission to grow and evolve and learn in public. So many of us just won't put ourselves out there for fear that it's not going to be good enough and you know it's not going to be right and when i when i listen back to my original my my initial podcast episodes it's not good enough and it's not right by my standards now but it was back then everyone has to start somewhere we all have to start somewhere we can't just rock up to something and be who we want to be or have the quality that we want to have from day one. So with what you're about to listen to, please, please know that as these podcasts, as the numbers roll on, the more me you will hear me get, but that's the more me now. Yeah. And that's not to say that there isn't value and insight in these older episodes. It's just letting you know that this is my version of growing and evolving out loud. So with all that said, let's get into the episode. (laughs) 
Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Inner Work Conversation, a podcast with leaders like you in mind. I'm Nikki Cross, owner of Thrive Life and Business, and in today's episode, I'm joined by a very special guest. Matt Trott is the owner of Recruitment Juice, an award-winning online training provider to the recruitment industry. Not only is Matt a successful entrepreneur, a great leader, but he also happens to be my old boss too. (laughs) In this episode, we discuss the success trap, the importance of defining success on your terms and the costs of not living in alignment with this, how to lead successful remote teams and cultivate a culture of trust, And of course, we're discussing all things inner work with the objective of making you feel empowered and reassured that you're totally not alone. If you're a regular listener, I want to thank you so much for being here. And as always, don't forget to hit subscribe, take a screenshot of the podcast and tag me in your social media platform of choice, letting me know what your key takeaways have been. It really does help this podcast to reach the people who can benefit from it most when you do share. So thank you. And without further ado, let's dive straight in. Welcome, Matt, to the Inner Work Conversation. How are you? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. Very excited to be here. Good, it's good to have you here. So let's dive straight in. Matt, can you tell everyone a little bit about your business background and what got you to the point that you're at now? Sure. So um, I, after university, I went traveling for a year, came back, uh, had no money, went to a temping agency and um, they said, why don't you become a recruitment consultant? So fell into the industry, much like pretty much everyone. Very few people, I think, said it when they grow up, they want to be a recruitment consultant. So that was at 24. Um, I actually found that it was a profession that I really enjoyed. It was really suited to me. So uh, I did really well in the first few years. Uh, by 28, I bought the company I was working for, learning of my ex-father-in-law. Went through various trials and tribulations with that business, which I'll, I'll tell you a bit more about later, and sold it when I was uh, 36. Um, and then started uh, what I thought was going to be um, a kind of lifestyle business or a fun project. It was to produce um, training films that were uh, just a lot more engaging. So we used a kind of comedy drama video series uh, to help train recruitment consultants. We sold those all over the world. Then we got some investment for that business to launch an online version. And now we also provide government funded training for the recruitment sector as well. So we have now kind of hundreds of, sorry, thousands of um, learners all over, all over the world that are either access our online learning content or our government-funded training services. Sounds like you're going to take over the world when you say that. <laughs> no, I'm tired already. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, but amazing, by the way. And I really am interested to hear a little bit more around the process from employee to business owner. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? So I guess, yeah, if you kind of go back pre-university, I've always had a very natural entrepreneurial flair. Um, so when I was eight years old, um, my dad used to travel a lot. He went to Asia uh, and would bring back these handheld computer games. And um, he brought one back for me. And, and you know, this was 1980. So no one had ever seen anything like this. So I took it to school and saw that everyone was really interested in it. So I started renting it out to, to other students uh, you know, at eight years old. And I found this one guy, uh, who, who I won't say his name in case he listens, who um, started paying me 20 pounds a day and in cash. And this is at eight years old, and this was 40 years ago, so, you know, that, that amount of money. So he did this for, for weeks and weeks, and um, had this big pile of notes in my bedroom, and then his mum came out to my house one day, and was like, you're, you're, um, 
my son's been stealing from, from my son. <laughs> Basically, the, yeah, the, obviously the eight-year-old didn't have all of that cash. He was stealing it from his mum. No! Uh, been paying me for the, uh, for the computer game. So my mum never lets me live that one down. But I think that's, you know, the whole nature-nurture debate about whether you know, you're born with it or you learn it. I think, you know, it was certainly a nature thing for me. By the time I was 17, rather than kind of getting a proper job, me and my friend borrowed 300 pounds from my mum. We just bought and sold cars. Um, we had no idea about mechanics or anything. We just did good research, so we knew which you know cars were priced well. We cleaned them up, sprayed them, covered them up, covered up any issues, and then flogged them on for a bit more. Uh, and you know we loved it, and we made you know better money than we would have done kind of you know, working on the, in a pub or whatever else you know other people were doing. So yeah, it's all, I guess it's always been there. I guess is my is my point. So when I started in recruitment, the beauty is it's like running your own business. You know, you do everything from finding your clients to and delivering exactly everything you're going to deliver and you know, right through the process. So um, the transition, when I, when I started in recruitment, it was like, okay, I, I want to run my own recruitment business. I knew that within, within months. It's a competitive industry, right? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, even more so now with, with technology and the market obviously just gets bigger and bigger. Uh, it's hard work, it's pretty ruthless, but you know, you can make a lot of money in it. That's, that's, that's the upside. Definitely. So... There you are. You were owning your own business from the age of 28, did you say? Uh, yes. Yeah, I bought it when I was 28. From that point then, what would you say has been your biggest challenge so far? Yeah, so many. You know, so many things I could kind of go into, but um, I know we don't have um, a whole day and this isn't a therapy session. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to try and keep it to, I guess, the kind of biggest lesson that I've learned or the biggest challenge that I've had, which I kind of refer to as the success track. So this um, striving for success, um, why we do it, how we do it, and what happens when we get there. So, so um, yeah, so I bought the business. I borrowed the money off my, my ex-father-in-law. You know, it was a, a functioning business. It was purely IT recruitment, and this was 99. So um, it was just before the Y2K bubble burst for all the technology um, providers. So it was kind of boom prior to that, and so we had a really difficult time afterwards. Um, so we had to obviously scale back and diversify and we opened different divisions, um, different sectors. Um, and, you know, I, I, to be honest, I loved it. I had this, this drive and this passion to succeed. And, you know, I loved the fact that I was young and I was doing well and, you know, everyone could see that um, and, and the money associated with it um, was great. You know, and I had this, this vision of getting up to about 200 people. I was like, you know, then I'll sell it, then I'll be a millionaire, then, you know, I'll do whatever I want to do. And that was the plan right up until um, I had a bit of a kind of weird moment. <laughs> so, I, I don't, you know, it, it, obviously it's a stressful process and it's relatively lonely. I was the only director, only shareholder, but I got to a point where we were making, I think, quarter of a million pounds net profit, which for me was a massive milestone. And I started to kind of get a bit wobbly and just started to feel a bit strange about what was going on. I didn't, I didn't understand my feelings or why I was feeling that way. And we hit this milestone. I remember sitting in the boardroom. Everyone had gone home and I was just sat there on my own. And I just started crying. I just couldn't stop crying. And I was like, shit, this is bad. <laughs> you know, if I'm, if I'm this, you know, if I'm crying this much about something I don't understand when yeah. things are this good, you know, I'm in, I'm in big trouble. And it was, yeah, it was pretty scary, you know, because um, I had no understanding of it. And really, you know, kind of what happened was that I got so caught up with, you know, the fancy office and this beautiful car. And, you know, I married my, my childhood sweetheart and you know, I've been with her for 17 years and a very happy relationship and brand new house and an amazing team. And, you know, the business was flying. 
all of my uh, self-esteem had really come from uh, external factors. So, you know, did people think that I did what I was doing well? Did people, did I look like I was making money? Was I making the money? Was I succeeding? Was I progressing? And I just, I don't know why it happened at that stage. I mean, it's kind of like an early midlife crisis, I think, or, or you know, a bit of burnout or, you know, some kind of breakdown, whatever you choose to call it. Um, and yeah, so I kind of was a little scared at that point. Um, I, you know, I, I just felt empty. I wasn't fulfilled. So I realized that, that I'd got to this point and it didn't make me happy. And recently I was listening to a podcast uh, by uh, uh, Johnny Wilkinson. He, so he, 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 you know, he, he obviously worked his ass off. He was very focused and you know, had this amazing moment of kicking the winning goal uh, in the World Cup final. And almost within, within days, you know, he was in a deep depression. He was like, okay, so I, I, that, you, you can't get better than that. That's, you're never going to get better. And I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. I've been focusing on the wrong things. And, you know, obviously I'm not, I'm not Johnny Wilkinson, but, um, you know, it's a similar story. And, you, know, you know, I had this drive and this focus for this goal. And I realized actually that's not what it's about. So, you know, it was an amazing lesson. Um, and then I kind of really took a lot of time out. Uh, I did quite a lot of CBT, did a lot of reading, a lot of research. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a hard worker. I don't understand something. I like to work it out. I like to understand myself, um, understand, you know, who I was and what I wanted to be. You know, previously I didn't really have any depth. It was kind of all a bit superficial. So, um, yeah, I went through a long process of that. And, and yeah, just... I kind of learned this thing about what I call me, myself and I, which it sounds a bit selfish, but what I realised was everything that I kind of looked at in life was dependent on other people. So what did other people think of me? How did they see me? What would they think if I did this? You know, how, how many friends do I have? How much do they like me? You know, and, you know, although there's some of those are kind of nice things, it's like you, you need to be happy in yourself. Uh, you don't really need to, like, if you can get to a point where you don't care what other people think in a nice way, you know, and you're just proud of who you are, then then you're not exposed and, you know, you can kind of take on the world regardless. So, yeah, that was kind of, I guess, the journey I went through. And I got quite drunk for quite a long time as well. <laughs> so I probably should mention that, did a bit of travelling and stuff. But, um, yeah, so that was business one. I'm really pleased that you've shared that. You've touched on something that I think everyone goes through which is that realisation of I am striving, I know I'm striving and I know there's this pinnacle or this objective or goal or this point in my mind that if I get there, I've made it. Mm. But uh, it's not always what it's cracked up to be when we eventually do get there and we realise that there's other things that make us really full inside, you know? Yeah. Yesterday I was listening to another different podcast and it was talking about yeah, striving for success, but being gentle to yourself through the journey or, you know, something like that. So it's, it's how you are with yourself. You know, it's, if you're hard on yourself, then it's often not a good thing. So, so that, I guess that was kind of what happened in the first business. And what I kind of wanted to share with you today was after that, I, I, I said, right, I'm going to not make that mistake again. So I said, well, I'm going to do a fun project. I did the, the DVDs that I mentioned. So, you know, we, we employed film crew and script writers and comedians and, did this whole um, comedy drama series, which was, you know, it was awesome. I learned so much. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the first DVD set sold really well all around the world. So we were like, okay, let's do another one. And then as we did that, the, the 2008 uh, recession hit. Yeah. So we're like, okay, we, we owe money now to the production company for the second set of DVDs. They're not selling as well, obviously, because of the recession. So so then it started to become a bit of a battle. So we're like, okay, well, I need to work to kind of pay this off. Um, so we kind of banned down the hatches a bit and then got the opportunity to go online and some investments we're like, okay well that will solve the problem so we kind of jumped into that 
uh, and then all the investment money went for one reason or another, and we bore you with that story. And then suddenly, you know, three years into this fun project, there's me and one other person. I've shut down two offices, um, fired a load of people because we had no money. And I'm starting from, you know, minus hundreds of thousands of pounds, you know. So it's just, it, it kind of still amazes me how quickly you can fall into the success trap having gone through, you know, something as profound as, as what I did previously. Yeah. So I had, you know, th- three really difficult years where, you know, there was no, no income and it was all kind of hand to mouth. Um, you know, fortunately now you know, we're in a good position and I got through that. But, um, you know, I guess when I was reflecting on this, it scares me at how, how much you can still fall into that. Yeah. What is it, do you think, about the success trap that pulls you in and you can't see it, right, when you're in there? You can't mm. see that you're in there. What, it, what, what is it, do you think? Yeah, it's a really good question. I was, I was having a quite a d- deep discussion with one of my best friends who um, has an advertising agency and he has a division that he started a couple of years ago called New Macho. And obviously I'm a man, he's a man. Um, so it's all about men and how there's this old image of them being macho, which is, you know, muscles, six pack, don't talk about feelings, I'm hard as nails and I'll provide and I'm successful, you know. And, you know, I kind of got all the other bits. It's the success bit I didn't really quite appreciate so much. I think, you know, from an early age, you know, maybe that entrepreneurial drive comes from this um, deep expectation that I should succeed. And if I succeed, then I'm a good person. Then I'll be liked. Then I'll you know, be happy. Yeah. Um, then you've got that major question of what is success. Yeah. For a lot of people, men and women, that success forms part of your identity, it forms mm. part of who you present yourself to be in the world. Mm. So that when you're at a barbecue or when you're at, well, obviously we're not going to barbecues now, but when you used to go to a barbecue or mm. a bar, you'd be able to say, I'm this person, I have this job, I drive this car, I live in this yeah. area. It becomes a part of you, right? Mm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, especially when you're younger, um, or for me when I was younger, that was... You know, without realizing that was just the most important thing that you know there, there probably wasn't anything more important than that yeah um, which you know, that that's the problem because mm. that, that's just all about external factors and people's opinions which that's the wrong thing to focus on yeah because it leaves you feeling empty and so it's interesting to me because you know i've worked with you since 2000 at the end of 2017 and in my experience of you has always been, you know, that when we used to go on our calls and you were managing me directly, one of the questions that you used to ask me every single call was, how happy are you? So clearly that's had an impact in the way that you not only do business yourself, but the way you lead your teams. Yeah, um, quite right. I, I guess, you know, that's, that is one of the, the, my core values when I went any any of my businesses has always been about you know, I want people to to love what they do and to love the environment they're in. They might not love their role. You can't you can't always make that happen, but you can help them to love the business. You know, and know that the business cares about them. Um, also, obviously, we were running a remote delivery model, which now everyone is. So um, remote working, um, working from home, you can't see how happy people are. You can't get a feel for them being a bit moody in the office. So, you know, that yeah, that's a key question for me. I often ask people to scale it on a scale of not to 10, with zero being I've already resigned and 10 being I'd work for free. Um, funny enough, when I get many 10s, 
Yeah, I always enjoy it. I always enjoy asking that question. So they can even, you know, even if they're, what you'll find is people are kind of always around the same number-ish, but so it's their scale. So, you know, I think you typically would be eight, nines or nine and a halfs, whereas, you know, I have other staff members that are always around five. So if they're, if they're a six, actually, they're really happy. Yeah, <laughs> so. I, it fascinates me. It absolutely fascinates me. At no, at no point before that time in my own career had any, anyone I'd ever worked for made that part of our regular conversations and it's quite interesting for me that now I'm really finding out why that is and the sort of context behind that. If, if my staff are happy, that makes me happy. You know, so it's almost a bit of a selfish thing. It's a bit yeah. like the kind of charity, you know, paradox of like, well, I'm, I'm doing stuff for charity, but actually it makes me happy. It makes me feel good. It makes me proud. It makes me, you know, warm. Like, so, yeah, just my staff being happy just makes me happy. And also they're going to stay around longer, so you're going to do better. <laughs> They're going to stay with you, you know, they're not so bothered about other things. If they get approached, you know, you're probably going to keep them. So there's lots of benefits to that, I think. Definitely. And also, you touched on something there. A lot of business owners have really struggled over this year with that shift from being in Mm. an office altogether and having managed their whole lives in that way to having to go, you know, to remote working. So you almost had a competitive advantage, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I think the reason the reason we have a remote working model, if I'm totally honest, I'll probably never even admit that to myself, is because of what I went through in my first business. You know, I was like, I cannot face having, you know, at that age, there were typically people in their early 20s that are in my office, and you know, there's loads of politics and fighting each other and hate each other and you know, kinds of stuff. And I was like, I can't cope with that. You know, what I need is my own space. I want to get on my own work. I want to interact with people, you know, when I choose and how I choose. Yeah. So that's probably why we have it um, <laughs> without really realising. Uh, but yeah, we're very lucky to have had it when the whole virus came along. For sure. Definitely. You've talked about what your biggest challenges have been and mm. how you've reflected on them. I'm really keen to know the success trap is something that we can fall into without even realising it especially when you are good at what you do. So it's easy Mm. almost to be successful and to fall into that success trap. What are your non-negotiables? So any habits, routines, things that you make sure that you either do or don't do to keep you connected to stop falling into that trap? Yeah, I guess, well, the remote working uh, is a key thing because then I don't get too pulled into it all. Um, I have regular holidays I don't work long hours. I try not to work weekends. I do everything I can to try and switch off in the evenings. Uh, I meditate, I exercise, I eat well. Uh, I probably drink a bit too much, but uh, I go have some vice. So, you know, that kind of lifestyle shift is a massive game changer for me. I think just that one key lesson of money doesn't make you happy. You know, that one moment in the boardroom, I'll never forget it, you know. And I often say this, you know, talk to people about it and tell them about it. And, you know, it's like lots of things. Unless you've been through it, you know, you don't really get it. I, you know, I had the money. I had, I had the, you know, on the surface of it, I had the perfect life in every possible way. Uh, and I was that unhappy. So, you know, you can see, you know, that just teaches me it's not all about the money. So I want to enjoy my work. I want my, my staff to enjoy it doesn't matter if we don't grow quite as quickly as we planned. You know, I don't have massive goals to take over the world. I don't need to. I just want to enjoy what I, what I do. I want the staff to enjoy it. I want the customers to think it's awesome. Uh, and that's enough for me. That's the kind of fulfilling aspect for me. Really, really connected to purpose. And I'm interested to hear 
how you do that what do you think has been the most helpful contributor to success if we define success as exactly what you just said it there essentially being really fulfilled in what you're doing and success on your terms having success on your terms what has been the most helpful contributor to that yeah I I guess there's I look at it, the two businesses, there's, there's two very different things. So when I sold my recruitment company, I put my success down to the planning. I mean, apart from obviously the, you know, the hard work and all that good stuff that, you know, I was, I was anal about the planning. So a really detailed three-year plan, break it down to each year, break it down to each quarter, break it down to each month, break it down to each week, and then almost every day. So, okay, how does that tweak? You know, so the plan obviously doesn't always go exactly to plan, but it, it directs you there. You know, we got to exactly where we wanted to be, you know, almost exactly when I thought we were going to be there. So yeah, that, that's probably uh, the recruitment business what helped me most. Um, I think in my new business in Juice, um, it's the people. Um, again, I had the right people in the first company, but with this business, apart from you leaving, Nick, which of course I'm still mourning the loss of you um, every every morning. Um, <laughs> Stop crying. <laughs> We haven't been happier since you left, is the only <laughs> There it is. Um, but yeah, I, no, but I see, well, you know how gutted I was that you wanted to leave. But, you know, people people like you, and, you know, you know, we have other people like you in the business that that really care and they're really passionate and there's no bullshit. There's, there's limited politics. They get on with each other. They care about what they do. They love the flexible work style that they have. They love the fact that they're managed on outcomes rather than, you know, details and KPIs and what you're doing today, because we're all remote, you know, you need to have that yeah. element of trust. Um, and and I keep them. So because because they're happy. So it's ironic. I didn't keep you, but I don't think there was any there was any keeping you. You know, you had your own. Yeah. And I've spoken quite openly about my journey to from being in employment to setting up my own business. And people are always quite surprised at how we still maintain, you know, such a lovely relationship, but mm. how my honesty was met, I suppose, by you when we were having those discussions. It was it that was it was inevitable that I was going to set up my own business. Mm. And um it's quite ironic really because at recruitment juice it's probably the happiest I've ever been in any oh. role. Not not just because of the role, but exactly what you're saying there, Matt. You know, when you know that you are trusted to carry out your responsibilities they're clear to you the expectations are clear you know and everyone is equally held to account regardless of what role you're in it just makes life yeah a little bit scarier because it's really real there's no water fountain to hide behind it's all out there but at the same time it really does help you to be invested in the outcome and in the journey to that outcome so I think that for anyone listening who is potentially new to running a business remotely I do think that some of the things that Matt said there being (laughs) in this bizarre conversation where I've actually been in his business and, and managed directly by Matt there's absolutely something to be said for cultivating a culture of trust and, yeah. you know, and supporting people to get there. Was that hard for you to do, Matt? Was that hard, a hard thing for you to go? And obviously you wanted it because you said, you know, I wanted to go out of an office and into remote working. But was it a hard shift for you to make as an employer? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I don't think I had a choice, again, mm. because of the, the kind of burnout or breakdown, whatever you want to call it, that I had. I couldn't, you know, I, I think when I first started the business, I probably didn't trust people quite as much and I had issues 
you know, but but over the years I've moved to it and you know, I'm now very happy with it. Mm. Uh, so it, it was just a direction that I had to go. If you want a remote delivery model, you know, what, what's your option? You know, mm. I, I don't want to be unhappy worrying and thinking about what people might be doing or might not be doing. If you were in my first business, you would have been treated very differently when you came to me and said, I want to set up on my own. Um, yeah. Just because of, you know, my my immaturity and, you know, I wanted to control everything and it had to be in the office. And yeah. um, so, you know, luckily, luckily you're in business too. Um, yeah, I think the honesty, honesty and openness, you know, without going into detail in my personal life, I, I went through a period where I wasn't open and honest and yeah. that, that kind of broke me. It's just, it's just such a horrible place to be when you're not open and honest, when you don't feel like a good person. So I take that into, into this business and I encourage everyone, you know, it's like if we talk about it, you know, even if you, you need to leave or do a different role or whatever it is, we can solve anything if we talk about it. There's just no point in hiding things and not being open and honest, mm. especially when you're remote working. You know, it has to happen. Otherwise, mm. you have all kinds of problems. Yeah, definitely. So we've talked about your challenges in business and we've talked about what's led you up until this point in, in your journey so far. What do you love then about owning your own business? Um, I guess initially it's kind of flexibility and, you know, being my own boss, I didn't have to <laughs> listen to other people. I could do whatever I wanted when I wanted that's that's a key thing for me but you know if I really kind of drill down it's that that entrepreneurial drive for something new something exciting so when I get really excited you know when you started talking about your business I I love that because it's like okay that's exciting how how could could you do that and who you can sell to how you can sell it what you can sell you know it's like that that that's just what excites me um and I don't think that's now about because then I'll be successful and then I'll make money. It's yeah. just because you can help people. You know, you can provide a service that's great. You can have customers that love you. Like, what a great thing to be able to do. And I guess I've learned, you know, I've done recruitment. I've done, you know, training film production. I've done online learning. I've done content creation. I've done government approved training providers. So lots of kind of different aspects now. And, and I learn every time I do a new one. And that's what I love. I'm learning. I'm growing. And I get bored. If I do the same thing for a while, I just get bored. I'm like, I'm not learning anything. So yeah, new, exciting stuff, strategic stuff, new ideas. That's what I love. Freedom, growth and joy. Mm, I like it. <laughs> it's so much more than just money. It's, it's energy and all of that stuff. It's um, But it really pulls you back to well, what do you want the money for? Like what, mm. you know, you could say, I want to make 80K by this point, but for what what is it that you're wanting that for and I think a lot of the time for a lot of people it always comes back to those three things freedom growth and joy weighted differently for different people but yeah it's interesting to hear your take on that and and how how that's played out for you in your learning as as a business owner yourself are you ready for the quick round questions yes I'm ready Matt what is your favorite quote and why Embrace the uncertainty of the future because, you know, often people are controlling and they want to, you know, know what's going to happen in the future and it's scary what's going to happen. And, and you know, the future's a beautiful thing. Like, how exciting that there's so many different things. I have to remind myself of that rather than, you know, I can't control it. I can't, I can't plan it. I can't schedule it. Um, there's all kinds of things that might happen and it's like embrace that rather than, you know, be worried about it or, or, or you know, have any kind of negative feeling around it. I get that one framed. It's so relevant now as well, isn't it? Mm. You know, nobody, I, can, I was saying this in, I think it was my very first episode. It was on fear and uncertainty. I'll link it in the show notes because 
we talk a lot at the moment around, oh, well, you know, it's such an uncertain time when actually, isn't it always an uncertain time? <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. No, things could always change at the drop of a hat. And we think just because things have been this way for this amount of time that they're going to be, but you just don't know what's around the corner. So I really love that quote. Amazing. And a resource that I'm currently loving is... Um, can I have two? Oh, go on then. <laughs> well, one would be LinkedIn, which, you know, you might, I don't know if you define that as a resource, but obviously yeah. all of our customers are on there because they're all recruiters. But since we cut our advertising budget with obviously all of the, the virus going on and, and trying to reduce costs, we've just done a lot more on LinkedIn and I've tended to stay away from social media, but I love it. You know, I, I'm enjoying, you know, seeing what's going on in our sector, getting, you know, instant feedback from people in our sector, you know, offering advice, helping people. You know, it's a nice thing to be able to do as well as obviously then get our, our kind of brand out there and uh, get more business. So that would be yeah. one. The other um, is a podcast, Don't Tell Me the Score. So, yeah, someone recommended that to me recently. And basically it's um, sports professionals or sports psychologists that talk about um, either their own journey or, or the journey that they help other people with. And similar to the story that I talked about at the beginning, a lot of them are around their journey of success, getting to success, and then you know what they did after that, how they dealt with it when they realised that they actually weren't very happy or they've become a, an addict or have uh, yeah, all kinds of issues um, because of it. So, yeah, it's a really interesting podcast that is quite lighthearted and doesn't really need to focus on, but has some quite profound uh, messages. Thank you. There's such a there's such a theme and a trend there, isn't there? In so many people, yeah. so many people who've been really successful, even if that really successful isn't winning a World Cup or or making yeah. a quarter of a million. I, I can remember securing the role with you and thinking, this is it. Like, this is it. This is the pinnacle for me. Because, <laughs> it, because it was, Matt, it was the role that I secured with Juice. It gave me everything that I felt like I'd worked for. You know, it gave me the title. It gave me the salary. It gave me the opportunity for autonomy in my role. And that responsibility, there were so many different things that were linked to it. But I think there's something to be said for getting in touch with what really matters to you and being really true to that. So I'm not surprised that there's a podcast specific to sports professionals mm. who share that same journey because it's all an extrinsic goal related, isn't it, for them? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, like you say, it doesn't have to be these, you know, elite athletes or, or sports people, like anyone, any level of success that they really strive for. If it's the wrong thing in terms of that it doesn't fulfill them or doesn't make them happy, then they get there and, and then you know they have this kind of fallout. And people don't really talk about it much. You know, it's still quite a taboo, taboo thing. It's just it surprises me that it's not it's not kind of uncovered a bit more and it kind of relates I guess to that you know what's the meaning of life like if you're doing this and you're not happy well, what's the point you know so what what should we be doing what should we be focusing on it can go off on quite a deep path but you know, there should be more help for people in terms of that that success trap and that drive and trying to get somewhere which they spend sometimes you know decades getting there that they didn't enjoy the journey and they didn't enjoy it when they got there yeah and so many people I think who've been brought up to think that success looks a certain way or who had you know perhaps a mum and dad who've been barristers or solicitors and therefore they should follow a certain path as well and if they're not then that's not what success looks like I think that is very prevalent moment for people waking up to well I'm here and I thought it was going to feel like this and it doesn't feel like this 
like that was a really courageous thing that you did Matt in trusting that time when you you know you said yeah I couldn't stop crying and it felt bad I knew I should feel good but it felt bad and I wasn't sure why you were really courageous to trust that instinct and not just carry on anyway yeah, that's very kind of you to say but I suspect I've probably ignored other warning signs you know for, for years prior to that and it came to the point you know a bit like grief if you brush it under the carpet eventually it's going to come out and explode like a volcano I think probably there were things that were going on for years that just got to the point of you know that was the I didn't really have much choice at that point yeah. uh, I had to tackle it uh, I couldn't carry on thank you for sharing that no worries and on that note if you could go back to the beginning of being a business owner what would you tell yourself yeah uh so two things pace yourself my brother has one of his favorite expressions is um it's a marathon not a sprint um admittedly he did tell me that on my first trip to ibiza so um it wasn't really in the context we're talking about today but you know that's where i went wrong i was kind of i was sprinting that's not the right way to approach it um and enjoy the journey so as i just kind of mentioned previously it's you know you're always trying to focus on this goal and it's like the goal may never come and even when you get there so what who cares so enjoy what you're doing today enjoy the journey i wish that was some um, tattooed on my forehead well, you wouldn't be able to see it you'd need it on your hand or something but, yeah <laughs> well, every time i looked in the mirror i could see it get it get it and it would need to be back to front if it's <laughs> really weird. I realise that. You yeah. are really weird. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and lastly, thriving in life and business to you means? Yeah, I think it means to love what you do and that you do it really well. So you're kind of proud of it. Yeah. I have a, a good friend that runs a school and, you know, she's terrible at the finances and the marketing and everything, but she loves what she does and she just does it really well and her school's really successful but she you know she can't run a business <laughs> but but just because of those two core things so if you do those two things you know you'll be happy and you'll be successful which is what a lot of people strive for so that's what um that's what i think it means thank you so much matt for sharing everything that you have today could you just tell us where we can find you and where we can find more on recruitment juice Sure. So our website is recruitmentjuice.com. Probably best to go there for any information about us. We also have also prevalent on LinkedIn. Um, our numbers and email addresses are there. Perfect. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Nick. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and found some key takeaways that you can implement into your leadership and personal development practice. Any relevant links are in the show notes and if this episode did resonate with you, please don't forget to click subscribe and consider sharing this podcast with another leader or business owner that it might help. Finally, if you'd like to stay updated with me and what I'm up to, I'll leave all the links to my social media accounts in the show notes or head on over to tlb.org.uk. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you in the next episode.